after, you know, we'd, we'd had our argument, I felt, I felt downer than I ever have at that point in time. So then I thought, fuck it. I wanted to make an attempt on, attempt to not be in here anymore, not to deal with this shit. In the middle of, I guess, doing so, I received a godsend in, in a way. I mean, my phone rang. I sort of just glanced and was, oh, I was like, thinking maybe something's going on at home. I was like, yeah, okay. So I answered it and she, she asked if I was all right. That's Brandon. He's a FIFO worker who's big on mental health. Brandon's been to a dark place himself. When he was only 19, he was on the verge of suicide when a phone call from his mum saved his life. He's taken on the pressure of becoming a young dad, all while having to navigate a relationship that wasn't working. Brandon's been dragged through the family court system trying to stay close to his boy, and if that wasn't hard enough, he also lost his best mate to suicide. He's an ambassador for Mindset, a not-for-profit supporting mental health in mining, and he's made it his mission to look after his mates. Welcome to Young Blood, an award-winning podcast on a mission to make the mental health of young men a top priority. My name's Callum McPherson, I'm a journalist, and this is our platform to open up and share stories of what we've been through because we're not alone. Let's do it. Before we kick this off, I just want to say thanks so much to everyone who's taken 15 to 90 seconds out of their day to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It boosts us up the ranks massively and makes a huge difference to how many people we can reach with these potentially life-saving stories. So thank you. And for those who haven't got around to it, please, if Youngblood has delivered you some value, let us know on there. Cheers, legends. Trigger warning, if you find anything spoken about in today's episode distressing, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Brandon, what was it like for you starting out in FIFO? To begin with, I love the lifestyle. I, you know... Loved earning big money. A lot of people I worked with were great. I come from farming into mining, so it was a bit of a big change. And then, you know, I loved it, but I realised I loved that lifestyle more being away than being at home, but it was also my biggest, I guess, my biggest downfall in that because, you know, I had a partner at the time and... It, it made that hard. We were both, well, I was 19, so it was very, very, yeah. And, yeah, I sort of deterred away a bit. And then it, it, it more or less broke down. So you were spending a lot of time away and that meant you weren't spending time with her. How are you feeling as a 19-year-old when you were out on the work site? Like, were you very conscious of the fact that that was falling apart or was it something that came as a shock to you? I was definitely, definitely conscious of it. I guess I enjoyed living the high life and bit of a playboy lifestyle at the time. You know, I had money to burn. So my, even my breaks wasn't spent meaningfully. It was, I went out on the piss. I went out and caught up with the same blokes that I'd just done 14 days with. That's a pretty common story though, isn't it? Where you give, you give a lot of young blokes a whole bunch of money, and then when you do get some time off, of course you're going to piss it up the wall because you don't know any better. So it's sort of just that that time in your life, you'd you'd be hard pressed to be disciplined and and know, I suppose, the complications that that can bring as well. Odds on you're going to do the wrong thing 
to start off with until you work it out for yourself. But um, in, in having that relationship break down, considering you were partying, you were having a good time, one might think that it wouldn't really upset you that much that you were then cut loose and, and single, but I believe it did really hit, hit you pretty hard. Yeah, it did. It really did. Yeah, well, I made a lot of mistakes there. And it was, I guess, regret in a way. Did you feel guilty about it? Or what was it that you were holding on to that was upsetting you? Just that bond. I mean, I came from a small town and moved to the city with my partner at the time. And, you know, then it was finding a new place to live. It was finding a lot of that. And it was just I'd lost something that, you know, I'd, had, I'd tried a lot of experiences, you know, around being in a city, just living that lifestyle. Yeah, it was a bond that had broke. So you, you sort of like lost that safe place and then you were in still a largely unfamiliar environment. So you were kind of thrown into a disarray, you could say, where you didn't really know you're up from, you're down, you sort of lost balance uh, and someone that you were able to rely on before then wasn't there. So that asks a few questions of yourself. How did that then affect your work? In quite a big way. I wasn't, my mind wasn't with it. So a lot of things, you know, I was fucking up. A lot of things that were simple enough, I just couldn't fathom. Just like couldn't concentrate? With that, I fell into a really dark spot. I never thought I'd be in ever. You know, I was always happy, always, always a worker. Uh, but when something started affecting my work that I couldn't, sort of control that was my first instance where i realized i'm like fuck what's going on here but then i just turn a turn a piece so what did that darkness look like for you it looked like i was in a place alone that i wasn't achieving yeah i'd put on a face when i was around people i'd put on like you know my life's great my life's perfect but in the end it was battle with myself it come to a head one night where it affected my job that much that i actually got stood down just for something dumb or something silly at that point uh something that i messed up the employer at the time stood me down before the bar shut. so i did what i usually do went to the bar i drank because they have a a record of how many how many uh, how many drinks you have i bought 27 or 28 beers at night for yourself i'm sure i handed a couple out but <laughs> most of them to myself yeah okay so probably cause to cut you off 15 beers ago you would have thought well you would have thought so i just had a didn't really give a fuck attitude so all those beers what state did that put you in Drunk and miserable. I'd got into an argument with then my ex-partner. It threw me in a bit of a bit of a loop. After, you know, we'd we'd had our argument, I felt I felt downer than I ever have at that point in time. So then I thought, fuck it. I need it all. I wanted to make an attempt on tempted not being here anymore not to deal with this shit in the middle of i guess doing so i received 
a godsend in in a way. I mean, my phone rang. I sort of just glanced and it was, no, I was like thinking maybe something's going on at home. I was like, yeah, okay. So I answered it and she she asked if I was all right and then it just broke down. And then it was a bit of a long recovery, I guess. So what was that conversation, mate, when she called you because... One, the fact that she called you right at that moment when you were attempting to end your life. And I believe she called because she had a feeling that she needed to talk to you that maybe you weren't okay. Do you remember how that conversation went and what she said? She had an inkling that I wasn't doing extremely well. And the conversation sort of started as like, Brandon, you were right. And then it was... You know, I was a sobbing, I was a sobbing mess at the time. I was, man, I'm, I'm fucking over it. I'm done. This is fucked. I just don't want to feel. She's like, look, we'll just get through, get through tonight. You're on a plane, come back up home. So I did. Did that feel like divine intervention? Is that sort of how you see it now? It was probably the single one most single page turning experiences I've had. It was, I can't even say anymore. It was a godsend. It was something that I guess, yeah, divine intervention would be, would be the word. Cause the word it, is, is it safe to say that if she hadn't have called at that moment that you wouldn't be here anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Good uh, motherly instincts then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So then after you had that chat, thankfully you didn't go through with the suicide attempt and then you moved back home. How did things start to improve from there? What work did you have to do to be able to see things differently and improve your health? I grew up on a coastal town on the WA coast. So I I was at the beach every day just looking for, you know, a little bit of an answer. I'd go walking on the beach just to try and I don't know, find find myself again. I picked up a little bit of part-time work back at back at the farm I used to work at. Being in that environment, being back home, it meant meant the world, you know. It was a reset that I desperately needed. So you'd had this relationship breakdown and that was really tough for you. I understand that. Was there a deeper question within yourself that was a big part of what you were struggling with, like an unanswerable at the time in terms of not knowing who you, who you are and, and what you wanted out of life and a, a confusion there? Like how do you articulate what it was that you were struggling with other than just the end of a relationship? I was struggling to figure out who I was, who I was at that point in time because that was a stranger. And then I semi-realised that I was more or less running running away from something I couldn't run away from when it came from me. I'd never dealt with emotion. I'd never dealt with feeling. It all opened up in a big way. And during that period of time, I just thought I was a totally different person. It was me just tucked away. You know, I was brought up to always be hardworking, always 
you know, put everything behind me unless it's something major and huge. But I didn't realise that all the little problems can create the the fucking biggest problem you'll face. Yeah, letting it all build up over time and that was the first time where you'd been, it sounds like, pushing stuff down for your entire life until it just runneth over and the uh, volcano erupted and couldn't hold it anymore and then you're living with a lot of confusion as to why you were feeling that way and you know you never had in the past and that's not how you dealt with things so pretty discombobulating to not know what the hell's going on how did you end up getting yourself to a better place where you weren't at risk anymore and you were feeling better about yourself walking about how i felt I mean, I never expressed emotion a lot of the time. Who'd you talk to? I talked to my mum a lot of the time about it. I didn't sort of reach it. And I spoke, that was my first instant speaking to a EAP program that even though the site that I just got sacked from, they still, you know, gave me their chaplain's number if I ever needed it. And a lot of time, and in that instance, talking about things and the way I felt kind of, lifted the load a bit, lifted the load to, I guess, a manageable place. And then fast forward to 2019 and you became a dad for the first time, which is a pretty massive deal. Uh, But not only that, you were doing it trying to navigate a, a relationship that wasn't working for you. Talk a bit about all that. In 2019, yes, I became a dad and... It's the best job I've ever had. I'll say that here and now. But a relationship doesn't work just because, you know, a child's brought into it. So I realised I was in a situation that wasn't an environment that I'd want for my child growing up in. And I decided to call it quits. Then fast forward to October. You know, we split up early, early on in the pregnancy. And then... You know, my beautiful baby boy was born. Trying to navigate co-parenting during all of this, all of that is extremely hard. It got to the point where even mediation couldn't, we couldn't reach an agreement. We went down the family court route. At the end of mediation, you know, there was a time frame of about four months. I didn't get a single child and that fucking broke me. <laughs> that was pain that I'd never felt before. There was a new level of pain. I wasn't focused, even at work. Like I thought, oh, the last time won't be as bad this time. Because at this point, I'd gone back away. I couldn't focus, couldn't do anything. I knew that I couldn't keep up a lot of the time. Something seriously had to change. Because there's a lot of dads out there that will relate to you on this brand and ending up in that situation where they have split from their partner, they are going through the family court, they're trying to get shared custody or make sure that they can see their child and then have that taken away. How were you able to cope with that? Because it seems like it would be so frustrating to have something so important that's beyond your control. and be the sort of thing that that's all you can think about all day, but you're pretty restricted in what you can do to actually change things. So how were you able to cope with that? I was able to cope with that. I mean, 
It made me an angry person. It made me upset. It made me just not me. I actually joined a MMA program as well as everything. So training and health played a big part in me trying to sort through my issues. Was that you trying to take it out on some poor bugger at sparring though? Or uh... <laughs> No, it was more try and teach myself discipline. Yeah. I and then I delved into looking at different avenues. And that's when mindset reached out to me. because um, by that point I'd started making a couple of couple of TikToks. Uh, obviously being in the mining sector and they more or less reached out and sent me a message be like, would you something would it be something that you would be interested in? And mindset's a, a not-for-profit that promotes mental health in the mining sector. Yes, yes, it is. Even then, I was given ways to to manage, I guess, manage the stresses in my life because the family court systems that drained and just it ruined me. Yeah. So it seems like you're in a position where you felt like you had to get stronger and often training and looking after our body and our, our physical health, that is something that we can largely control, you know, at least if we if we don't have any illnesses or whatever it may be. So being able to look after all of that stuff, that's something that you, you could control, you could make sure of, and that that's going to give you the best chance at being able to function mentally and have the energy and and have the endorphins and and the positive the positive vibes to at least keep yourself going and not fall in a heap. Yeah, exactly. There's a unimaginable amount you can put into your body, but your mind and body are two different things. Well, in my opinion, anyway. I started meditating, which was more or less what's going on around me versus what's going on in my head because I needed a break from all of this noise that was going on. And I sought out uh, counselling and therapy sessions. Mm. So you were being very proactive about trying to look after yourself, I suppose, because you'd known by that point what it was like to go in that hole and you didn't want to end up back there and then not able to get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And this being me experiencing more pain than I did before, it would have, it probably would have swallowed me whole. I sought out a counsellor and I had, you know, with each session, things just started getting put into perspective. You know, I felt more confident. You know, I'd go into mediation appointments and I'd feel like about this big. I was nervous. I was scared. Like if I say the wrong thing, you know, it, it, it's going to fuck up a major part of me. So I sought out different, different avenues and counseling, you know, it was great. And it was actually recommended to me by a friend that I didn't know that was in counseling at that point. And he's like, yeah, man, check this out. They're great. So I, I did, and I was a bit sceptical. I was like, oh, I mean, I'll talk talk to people, but I don't, I don't want to open up too much. I sat down in the chair and just flowed. You know, 
it just flowed out of me like nothing I'd experienced because I don't know whether it was comfort or I mean, psychologically wanting to make that change, but it just flowed, flowed out of me, you know, stuff that I'd never spoken to anyone about. So the training and the counselling and the meditation, what did all that do to your anger and your attitude and your mindset? It worked wonders. So I felt more confident. I felt like, okay, I've got an issue here. I'm going to fix it. You know, I could walk up to a machine and I could fix that, no worries. Now I need to take necessary the necessary steps and put all of this together to get to a point where I'm comfortable and confident. It gave me my confidence back and it gave me, got me to a point that I felt like I could do anything if I put my mind to it. And I had to strengthen it. I had to strengthen myself because I was anxious. I was nervous. I was depressed. It all went away with enough enough time that I put into myself, striving to achieve something. You know, I'd plan little goals then. I'd give myself a week to achieve in the ways of thoughts or whether it be training or whichever. It just gave me, I guess it gave me the ability to be all that I can be because it's not only me anymore. I got a little boy. It took me from thinking time for myself was selfish, things like that to it's like okay you've got an issue let's fix it and then a lot of people sort of started to see the change in me even before i seen it and they're like oh you know you're not moping around things like that like well i didn't think i was to begin with but it must have shown more than i'd realized yeah yeah i think we show that internal state more than we think we do and that we might think we're doing a fantastic job of hiding everything, but even though people might not know exactly the depths of what we're feeling or the reasons for it, you certainly give off certain vibes that you're struggling and that things aren't quite right. And it can be very frustrating for people not being able to get that out of you or feel like they can do much to help you. And it just about always comes back to people like yourself having to make a conscious decision of, what I'm doing is not working. I'm banging my head against the wall and I've got to take some different actions here and take responsibility and, and pull myself up out of this or I'm going to end up sinking. And you obviously did that. How do you explain what it's like to have your son in your life? It's the, it is the best feeling in the world. In the world. I mean, I could have any job I'd wish, being a dad would top it all. You know, you you understand what love's all about until you have had kids. I mean, I I thought I had a, a good idea about what love is until I had my son. That was a feeling that I still to this day can't appreciate enough. Like I said just before, it's it's not you just you anymore. Yeah. And, and you wanting to be your best self is that and previously thinking that that was selfish, that becomes completely necessary in order for you to be the man and the dad that you need to be to be there for them. And then you've got a much bigger reason rather than just yourself. And depending on your own view of yourself, that might not be enough of a reason. But 
when you have your son there as well and you're like, well, I don't want to be this miserable bloke for him and and be this guy you know I want to be I want to be the guy that he's going to look up to and be proud of and I imagine that would be a pretty big motivator it was it was um it was a massive motivator for me because it becomes a teachable moment I want to be the person that has seen as a sign of strength like I'm sure most dads want the kids to look up and be like oh, dad's strong dad's everything else and I guess I want I want him to feel as though he can come to me with absolutely anything in this world you know any problem he has but then be like it's okay like if you come to me crying it's okay dad cries too that's what you need more of and you've obviously become that man which you should be proud to be now, you've been through plenty by this stage already, um, talking about when you were 19 and then having your son and the relationship breakdown. And, but that wasn't the end of it, even at the, the young age that you're at now. Um, you also lost your best mate, which is a shocking amount of difficult stuff to go through. Tell us about that too. I remember that extremely vividly. I was in Rebel Sport of all places. So I'd just taken up squash. So I was in buying squash balls. A mate that I went to school with had called me. And so I picked up. He's like, it's like, oh, what are you doing? I was like, oh, just a real sport. What's going on? He's like, oh, so you haven't heard yet. And when those words come out of someone's mouth, you know it's you know it's not going to be great. I was like, oh, wow, what's going on? But Keanu's... Um, Give me a cell phone. <laughs> at first, I was shocked. I said, "What the fuck?" I was like, "Like you're not fucking joking here." And um, and then I just went silent. I mean, I, I was like, I just like my hat went flying off my head. I just sat on where you try his shoes on, sat there with my hands in me, we had my hands and just, it was unbelievable. Um, so a big backstory. I was always a bigger dude in, in school and things like that. I wasn't, I didn't really have a lot of friends. I didn't, yeah, I was picked on a lot until I went to a boarding school. And the first person I met was this person in, in particular. And, you know, we, we were in the same dorm. We did everything. Um, so for that three years and the last year of school, we lived together. And I myself don't have any siblings, but I found a brother in, in him. And he was always amazing at everything he, he wanted to achieve. He was a great musician. He was great with his hands. He was very inventive. <laughs> we made, we, I was in his room when, he, when we made like a couple of different things, like a fairy floss maker out of a deodorant can and a little electric motor. <laughs> like it was, 
it was one person that was going to go very far in life. And I always strive to be like that person. I always wanted to be, wanted to be like him, just good at everything he did, you know. Did you was, have any idea he was struggling? Not, not to, not to that extent. I mean, he'd asked me, you know, a couple of questions because I'd got into sort of the mental health type scene around that point. He asked me, you know, a couple of things, but I didn't, I didn't really think much of it. Yeah. Well, you don't, do you? Like, you unless that has actually happened to you before and you've lost someone to suicide, you never expect that your mates or people you know are, are struggling that badly. I, mean, I had the exact same thing with my mate where I knew he wasn't in the best place, but I was completely shocked that it was to that extent. I think men typically, we're good at hiding just how bad things can get. And unless you know what science to look for and you're willing to sort of push the envelope a bit more or really ask another follow-up question, it can often go under the radar and until it's too late tragically like that for you so what was it like processing that grief and what was your uh, your experience of grieving that loss my experience of grieving grieving that i i was asking myself why for a lot a lot of times like you know we'd just spoken six days before we were planning for like a fishing trip for when i you know was home from work we just take off and go go away for a couple of days, just a couple of a couple of rods in the water, just hanging out. So I was like, how did we go from how did we come from there to to what's happened? I guess I was confused a lot uh, regarding that. And I mean, I I, I rang its parents. And I just didn't know what the fuck to say. I mean, A for one, I mean, I lost my best mate, but I'd had to realise they'd lost their son. And me being a father now, at that, me being a dad, I couldn't think of anything fucking worse. As time has gone by, Mate, how have you come to think of it? And I suppose, like, where are you at with that now in how you remember him? I'll tell you what, there's still not a day that goes by where I don't think about him in some way, shape or form. You know, something amazing will happen one day. I'll just think, oh, fuck, and try and get him on the blower. But no one's going to answer. You know, I've got photos, you know, that I've in frames that I just walk past and look at. I'll spend like a moment just looking and I've tried to strive to do a couple of like things in his honour, you know, having, I did mental, uh, miles for mental health last year and a big kicker behind that because it was only two weeks, yeah, about two weeks after he had passed, I had signed up for Mothers for Mental Health. It was something that I could maybe do in his honour. I mean, it's not going to go extremely, but I don't want someone else to go through the pain that 
I was going through at that point. I mean, I I wouldn't wish a lot. I mean, I'd lost I'd lost my brother. Yeah. Um, I'd lost my brother without the feeling of having a sibling. No, sorry, you know, man. You I'd know, lost. it's the it's the the worst feeling in the world. You know, and we don't know what it's like. Thankfully, to be the parent, but. You can sympathise with that, but I know how you feel losing a close mate like that and the void that that leaves in your life and just the repeated shock of it, even months and years after it happened, still being shocked that they're still gone, they're not going to come back, is uh, one of the hardest things that I think human beings ever have to swallow. But And all you can really do is is carry their memory on and, uh, try to remember them how they'd want to be remembered and, and speak about them how they'd want to be spoken about, I suppose, which you do a, a very honourable job of doing. All this pain that you've been through in your life and these, these difficulties, what has that taught you? Sometimes look at the loudest laugh in the room because they can be facing demons that you don't know about. It's more or less be more subjected to people, what people in my life are going through or anyone around me or just anyone who feels the need to have a talk. I guess a lot of the time to the person that made me today, it made me resilient enough to look for slight changes in myself, close friends, family, even the slightest little inkling like it did with me, slice little thing that you will chuck into a compartment back of your head. You're just starting, you're just adding to, I guess, a fuse of a bomb that may go off at any time. You're just maybe adding a little bit or shortening the length of the fuse just a little bit. It goes off, it goes off in ways that you, until, until you have you know, a lot of, uh, until you experience these things firsthand, you'd think, oh, I'll be all right, I'll be all right. It fucking, it shocks you. That's why I guess the person I now wants to look towards helping people talk about their issues and raising awareness where I can. You know, every, every site I go to, I hand out, you know, pamphlets, information, little booklets, stickers like mindset stickers and they'll be like because it just starts a conversation um, a lot of the time i'll hand it to a lot of a couple of people and they'll be like oh what's this and then i'll say and i give them a rundown you know it's a not-for-profit mental health organization i was like you know have you are you all right anything you want to talk about um something that should be said a lot more of the time rather than one day uh, where people ask, are you okay? Yeah, that's right. We know that one day doesn't cut it and you're the perfect man for the job, mate. You're the man who needs to be out there touching those groups and, and talking to those blokes because they're going to listen to you because you are one of them and you're brave enough to step up like that and it means enough to you to go out and have those conversations as uncomfortable as they might be and for that reason and, and many others, it's... So great that you're still here with us and you didn't make that terrible wrong decision those years ago when your mum 
called you and now I've got no doubt that you'll go on to be uh, an amazing father for your son and he'll be very lucky to have you as are all of us in uh, in Australia. So just want to commend you on doing that work and not only for mindset but doing that inner work and uh, on your physical health and stepping up and doing everything you needed to do to be the most effective version of yourself rather than fall into despair, which you would have had plenty of excuses to do so, mate. So you should pat yourself on the back, uh, but I know you probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much. That's, yeah, I mean, it, it's always amazing to hear, but thank you. Thanks for coming on and sharing that story for the first time as well, because I know it's your first podcast and it's real tough to talk about those things and then and then revisit it and, and open that up again. So. Thanks so much for doing that, mate. Appreciate you. No worries. Thank you for your time. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks to our local business supporters, Heard Financial and First National Real Estate. Making these podcasts isn't cheap and we can't do it alone. If you'd like to become a supporter, please send an email to callum at youngbloodmedia.com.au. If you're getting some value out of the show, please give us a quick rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really helps us out. You can watch every episode in studio quality video on Spotify and our YouTube channel, Young Blood Men's Mental Health. We go by the same name on Instagram and Facebook and follow Young Blood Mental Health on TikTok. Subscribe to our e-news through our website, youngbloodmedia.com.au. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone who needs to hear it. We're all in this together. Catch you next time.